Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. And I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, we're going to be talking today about support for high-risk individuals during COVID-19 because we know that there are people who have had a loss in maybe the last couple of years or even longer that are being sheltered in place and are alone, and the consequences of that are very difficult during this time. And we've got a couple of great experts to talk to us and give us some advice about it today. Hi, Heidi, would you like to introduce them? Sure, I'd love to. So we are going to be talking today with Dr. William Fagelman and social worker Beverly Fagelman, and they are married, and they are the co-authors of Devastating Losses, How Parents Cope with the Death of a Child to Suicide or Drugs, and they are bereaved parents to 32-year-old son, Jesse, who died by suicide. Welcome to the show, Bill and Beverly. Thank you. It's our pleasure to be here. It's, it's and... great to have you on today, and I, I know that, um, you're very uh, involved with dealing with people who've had losses. And with this COVID, what are your thoughts about what's going on right now for these high-risk individuals? Well, we're sort of in the trenches is in a matter of speaking, as we are sheltered in place at home here and have been this, uh, living this way here in Jamaica, Queens, the epicenter of where the, the, uh, uh, the highest number of cases and deaths have occurred. Uh, we, we keep to ourselves, but then we run a support group uh, in Nassau County that meets monthly. And we've been uh, changing our pattern uh, since we can't uh, be meeting in person. Uh, in fact, this Wednesday, we will have our second Zoom meeting. And we feel terrible that we can't really uh, be there uh, in person, uh, holding, uh, hugging, and doing the things that survivors of a uh, loved one uh, to suicide or a drug mm -hmm. death need wow. desperately after dealing with one of these uh, very traumatizing losses. And, mm -hmm. and we've had a couple of cases that uh, we people have called us, support group is known, and they call us um, and, you know, is there a, a group? And we've been in, glad we could tell them uh, that we have a group uh, for them to uh, participate in. So you're, you're going online and, and Bev, what are you seeing right now with people as far as uh, dealing with this? Uh, well, I, I, Bill and I were talking about some of the similarities and some of the distinct uh, issues that are coming up now uh, for survivors of suicide loss. Um, in terms of dealing with the corona uh, um, pandemic and, and um, we talk about the stages of grief and uh, denial, it's not happening to me, I don't have to, it's not going to be affecting me, anger, um, uh, why do I have to stay in, I don't like these rules, um, bargaining, uh, uh, okay, I'll stay in for two weeks, but now they're talking it might be four mm. weeks, might, it might be a month, two months, three months. Uh, sadness, 
which uh, I don't know when this is going to end. And, uh, and then acceptance, you know, this comes from, uh, you know, original Kubler-Ross mm -hmm. concept of stages. And we know that all of us are dealing with, at some point, these different stages, they're not linear, and we're not having all of them affect us in the same way. But we're experiencing um, information from people who are survivors of suicide loss and how this corona uh, situation is affecting them in a different way that I think people are not aware of. So I made a list of some of the comments that we've been hearing in our group and also individually as a therapist. I've already had the worst thing happen in my life. Now the, um, the Surgeon General said uh, on one of the shows, um, this is probably the worst thing that'll happen to a lot of people. And I'm like, wow, I've had a child die. This That's is right. So when we hear people saying that, we say, you don't really get it. We already had the, worst the world cave in on us. Uh, I've heard people who are religious say, God was there for me and helped me survive the loss of my child or partner. And I, I have faith that if I pray, God will be there for me now too and help me again. Mm -hmm. So for these people, there's a comfort in religion. Now, those that aren't religious might not have the same support, but for some people that, that works for them at this point. Um, some people have told us, I'm forced to stay home. We had a young woman who uh, uh, was living here in New York and had to return back home to her, her home in another state. And she said, it's very painful for me to be home because this is where my parent died of suicide. Mm -hmm. And I really haven't spent much time in the house. Mm -hmm. And now I'm walking around the house and I'm seeing everything and I can't escape because I'm stuck here. I'm a prisoner in this environment that is very, very painful. So, so, so that's a real trigger. Mm -hmm. A real trigger, a real trigger. You have people saying, well, how do you spend your time? So some people are saying, well, I'm organizing things. I'm going through the closet. I'm sorting out junk and whatever. But for many survivors, they are being forced or they feel they're being forced to confront some of the photos, some of the memorabilia, uh, clothing, uh, a, lot of, a lot of things in the home that they sort of put on a back shelf. These are things that, you know, people that haven't had this other type of loss might not even be thinking about, you know, when, when we're, we're going through this. Um, someone told me the other day, she's used to going to the cemetery to visit her son's grave. And first she didn't know whether the, the cemetery was open. She usually goes just Easter and then, you know, different events and holidays, etc. Et, et but she went and she said, not only did I have to see my son's grave, but I saw all these newly, freshly dug graves. Mm -hmm. um, so many, of them. So many mm -hmm. and especially in, in Queens. She was shocked. So she said it was like a double whammy for her to have this experience. She didn't anticipate it. Um, so, and then she didn't know whether she would be going back to visit her son's grave again because it was right. too much for her to, to deal with. That's the other thing that we're aware of is people are thinking about how would my loved one who died 
be dealing and coping with mm -hmm. this now. And and um, I I felt guilty for saying that I felt my son would have done very poorly with all these rules about don't leave the house, don't go here. He lived alone. He would have been alone and isolated. Uh, he used drugs to to um, uh, take life stressors, uh, uh, you know, lighter for himself. He would have been using a lot of drugs, I think, if he was home alone having to deal with this. Well, and I would have been well, worried to death. Well, well, Bev, you hear, you hear right now, and read. I certainly have read in the news and heard that people are using drugs and alcohol to cope right now at much higher levels than they usually do. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you know, that's, they're kind of self-medicating while they're sheltering in, which is yes. stressful for family members to be thinking which about is, that when they right. can't see them. Right. You're not with them. You can't protect them. The other thing was someone in our support group commented that um, she hated to say this. She said, maybe it sounded terrible, but she was kind of relieved also that her, her uh, child didn't have to suffer and go through this and didn't have to be part of what the world has turned into. And she said he, he was a sweet person, he was gentle, and um, he died um, uh, not having to go through this experience. You know, the thing is that we're finding that there's no, there's no, no judgment is what we need. We need no judgment now. Anything that you feel is okay. You know, and normalizing it, it's totally understandable for her to be relieved that her son didn't have to deal with this. Mm -hmm. This is, you're just showing how important peer-to-peer -peer support is right now. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and that the, the, you are still able to reach out to your community online, which is so invaluable. Uh, good that we're able to do this, but you know, as good as it is, it, it's not as easy, it's not as close, it's, it's, uh, it's somewhat uh, uh, not as deeply connected as we would be mm -hmm. with the people. And, uh, you know, sometimes when we have our face-to-face -face meetings, there's this, you know, sense of exhilaration of, of really, uh, you know, coming, you know, to have a communal experience. The hugging, the people say, I want to hug you at the end of a meeting. I want to yeah. hug you. So, so we had our last two weeks ago, we had our group and, and someone shared something. And I, I said, you know, I, I want to hug you. I want to reach out to you now and give you a hug. I said, so I'm sending it to you. And, and can you feel it? Uh, and, and, and it was a beautiful moment because other people, all these little boxes, <laughs> started saying, I'm sending you my love also and my hug and, and you know, I'm there for you. If you need more support, call me uh, after the meeting. Here's my number. I'll give it to you, blah, blah, blah. So, but, you know, they're feeling this, this um, what we usually have, the the, the words of support, but also the physical body, mm -hmm. you know, touching, which is, it's so strange not to be able to do that for people. Well, well and also when you, when you see people at a meeting, there's a lot that goes on before or after the meeting. Yeah. You know, a lot yeah. of just talking, et cetera, you're eating food also, you're hugging. Mm -hmm. You don't, you miss out on a lot of that virtually. Yeah, yeah. You know, they talk in, in uh, 12 step meetings, they refer to the meeting after the meeting. I don't know if you're mm. familiar with that expression. 
that's the meeting that takes place with people are either in a parking lot or going out mm -hmm. to a diner for coffee. And that's part of the sharing and support. Yeah. And um, uh, so our people can get it if they, you know, can reach out to other people at home. And we have a couple of people that say, use me, I'm available. If anyone new needs someone to speak to, give them my number. So, you know, people are stepping up to do that, but it, it's a big concern, you know, people being depressed and, and worrying about their own, um, how, how they're gonna manage, you know, how they, if, if some people, of course, that might have had depression, histories of depression before this, and now, um, the, you know, the sense of isolation is, is, is a horrible, horrible mm -hmm. experience for a lot of people. Uh, we're lucky we have each other, but I talk to patients, I do therapy, and I have Zoom sessions with some of the patients who are alone, mm -hmm. and um, they're frightened. They're frightened about the range of, of loneliness uh, and, and the day is so long, you know, and, and give us some, um, for people who are watching this, uh, both of you give us some, uh, thoughts on what you would suggest to people who are feeling these feelings. Okay. So, so, you know, Bill and I, uh, encourage people to reach out, to stay connected, to make phone calls. Uh, not everybody is comfortable using Zoom but people use telephone contact. Um, if people can take a walk in their circle and be safe, then uh, uh, sometimes people can um, appreciate small things. You know, we, we, this is one of the beautiful things that happens when, when everything slows down. You, you can notice um, uh, and appreciate things that maybe you took for granted before. Uh, uh, we, we took a walk in the park and, and there was a man playing uh, bagpipes uh, in the park. Just the other day, somebody else had this blow up lounger and he was using it for the first time and he was setting it up and he was, then he took his shirt off and he was sunbathing. And, and, uh, and we had our masks on and we stayed a distance away, mm -hmm. but we said, we love your new gadget. Tell us about it. And we had this whole conversation with this total stranger. He also loved that there was communication between right. so strangers in the park. Yeah. But I think people can reach out. People mm -hmm. can can um, reach out to people, can call people. There are hotlines available. Bill, do you have some comments for the men there who are maybe alone? I mean, the highest risk for suicide or men living alone and you know what's going on with drinking and what is your thought well I, I wish i had some uh positive thoughtful uh things to say I'm, I'm in the midst of a paper writing a paper on um, um toxic masculinity mm. and uh th this is an issue and i'm finding that people you know as teenagers uh become macho males and uh, it, it haunts them. Uh, one of the, the uh, things we discovered in a paper we wrote was that they're at higher risk for suicide mm -hmm. uh, from high school into early adult years. Mm -hmm. And then I discovered that uh, even in their 30s, they, uh, if they didn't take their lives by their 30s, they're still uh, at, at a risk for heavier drinking, for getting into fights, 
and uh, acting um, violently. And uh, it surprised me because uh, the same uh, group of people was studied when they were in their early 20s. And at that point, they were not that delinquent or violent prone. And the trouble with the whole uh, traditional masculine role is it's, it's not okay to cry. It's not okay to be emotive. You have to be tough and take action. And, and, and there is a recklessness within the traditional male uh, ide ideal. So it, you know, the, the, the well-adjusted person uh, mixes masculine and feminine characteristics and creates more balance. And with that balance, they're better able to manage uh, and, and to connect with other people and to live a more uh, harmonious life, I think. So, so right now, these guys that are out there, these masculine guys should probably not be drinking and, and uh, right. using drugs and whatever, and probably should yeah. get some help after we're through this whole epidemic. Well, I want to thank you guys for both being on and for all the work mm -hmm. that you do to help people and in the name of your son and uh, your fabulous people. And thank you so much. Our pleasure. Thank you. Great. I agree with my mom. Thank you so much for all the hope that you're giving everybody and for the support that you give so many. And I know that your son is your guiding light. Thank you so much. We want to remind you to visit us at opentohope.com where we have many resources for you. And Heidi and I also want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own. God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.